Well, all prayer and benediction. Let's read the text. Follow along with me, and then we'll take it both this week and next week. And what that means is I never quite know where to finish this thing. And, you, you know, that's the fun thing about preaching. You say, well, how's it going to go? I'm like, I don't know until I get up and preach it. But I don't think we'll finish this week, but we will next week. But what a wonderful section when you're expositing through the Scripture. You, we just hit the armor. We're kind of finished with the armor. And turn your eyes now to 618. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you may also know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that, how, and, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this last phrase, with love incorruptible. So what does that mean? Well, you have to come back next week, okay? Let's bow in prayer. Father, we're exhorted here to pray for all things. I pray for all the saints today. Father, coming in in a variety of circumstances and situations, some joyful, some super hard this week, we just pray that you would allow us to understand this text, that it might lead us to all prayer, that you might receive glory and honor, and that we might be joyful because we have that outlet with you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, all prayer. Paul has commanded us, has he not, to uh, put on the full armor of God. He told us to put on the full armor of God. We've been stating because we need to stand against the devil. We've been looking at the previous weeks on the six components of armor given to uh, be victorious in the battle. We talked about the belt of truth, the ideal of preparedness, the ideal of being ready, and that belt represented the whole truth of the word of God, that it wraps us, it prepares us for battle. Then we talked about putting on the breastplate of righteousness and maybe that breastplate was strapped to that soldier as Paul's in prison and no doubt there were lacerations all over it from armies and wars that maybe that particular soldier had been in and Paul transforms that to not just a breastplate of a breastplate but a breastplate of righteousness and we identified that as the righteousness of Jesus Christ not so much our righteousness but but his it protects us protects our heart against the evil one and then we talked about the shoes the 
that he would lace up those Caliga boots, if you will, that had big hobnails on the, the bottom that that soldier would be able to stand. And those shoes he transforms into a spiritual metaphor of this battle here to, to represent the peace of God, the peace that we've received in Christ, that peace that has already delivered us from war and hostility and our own sin that makes us stand just in the battle, gives us confidence in the battle. Then that shield, that beloved shield, maybe it was posted on the side of that soldier that would extinguish those flaming darts of the evil one. He transforms that into uh, a shield of faith, our faith in the promises of God. And then he tells us to take up the helmet of salvation. And maybe it was laid to the side and he told us to, to take it up and it protected our future salvation. And it's not so much that he protects us in our future salvation that we can lose it. It's the opposite. That gives the soldier the ability to go into the teeth of the battle knowing that his future is protected by God. And then we look last week, the only offensive weapon, it's probably defensive as well, but the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we noted that the word of God was the rhema of God to help us. So if you can just put yourself in this picture, how does Paul go from here? Our enemy is in hot pursuit. He is ready to ruin us. The devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And what does Paul tell us to do? I love this. He tells us to bow down and pray to him. That's what he tells us to do. That's the flow of the text here. Put on this incredible armor that is God, God's. But after you put it on, here would be the exhortation to bow and pray. So he begins his book, if you will, in the heavenlies in one through three, but then he pulls us down to our knees in prayer. And let me make this comment that prayer is the means by which we appropriate the armor of God. In other words, that's the flow in the text. It is the means by which we appropriate the armor of God. In other words, Paul just couldn't finish with the armor of God and leave it there. He calls you and me to, to pray. Pray or you will get pounced on. Pray or you will possibly become puffed up with pride. Put these pieces of God's armor on all the while you are dependent in prayer. Now, I think it's fair to recognize, just to build a little platform here, that I don't think prayer is listed as a piece of God's armor. That would be a question. Some think it is. I don't think it is. But it is perhaps, I would say this, the ultimate weapon in our fight against the rulers and powers and world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's our ultimate weapon. As I've read to our own children over the years, I've told you in the account of Pilgrim's Progress, it is such a wonderful allegory of the Christian life. But here, when uh, it was written, it said in one place, 
It was when Christian perceived, if he's in this battle, perceived the mouth of hell hard by the wayside in the valley of the shadow of death and saw flame and smoke and heard hideous noises that he was forced to put up his sword and betake to himself another weapon called all prayer. So he cried in the hearing, O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. And so though we may not call it a weapon, Bunyan called it a weapon, and the weapon in that allegory was called all prayer. Prayer is to pervade really all of our spiritual warfare. All the time we are fighting, if you will, we are to be praying. In fact, if I put it together um, grammatically for you, the lead verb is stand, as we looked at that, but I would say it this way, all the while you're standing against the evil one, you're praying. You're praying for our church. You're praying for your home. You're praying for the world in which we live in. So the armor of God is rooted in our dependence on God in prayer. And so our spiritual activity against Satan and his host of demons is to be met with unceasing prayer. In fact, I think there's what we call, glance down at your scripture, if you want the technical word, it's called an inclusio, that's technical. It's better to call it, I think, for our understanding, a bracket. If you look at verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, And then you do that, if you will, as you drop to 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. In other words, beloved, prayer is the means by which we depend upon the Lord, by which we stand in the battle. So stand praying. Now, as we come to the text, maybe you heard it in the reading, there's four, I'll call them, all prayers, okay, for all prayers to stand in the battle against Satan. Look at verse 18. You can see him again. Pray, he says, at all times in the Spirit. Then he says in verse 18, with all prayer and supplication. Then he says, thirdly, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance And then he says, fourthly, making supplication for all the saints. There's our walking outline. There is a time of prayer. You are to pray at all times. There is a variety of prayer. You are to pray with all prayer and supplication. There is what we call the perseverance of prayer, to be alert with all perseverance. And then there is the objects of prayer making supplication for all the saints. They're the objects of our prayer, which again, he's in the midst of of a jail term here. And he's telling us on that last one, you are to make supplication for all the saints. So let's just dive in. And I want this to encourage your heart. 
This is not for your knowledge this morning. Of course, it is knowledge. This is for transformation of your life. And I don't want you to feel a guilt as we address the subject of prayer. I want you to find a release on what that could mean for you in the greatest joys and the greatest temptation and the greatest trials. Let's dive in. First, the time of prayer. The time of prayer. It's there in that opening phrase, praying at all times in the Spirit. Now, you'll note when you talk about the time of prayer, there is no specific time of prayer. In other words, it's unqualified. Pray at all times. And there's no time mentioned because you and I are to pray at all times. Not just occasionally, okay? Not just at meals. You know this. Not just at Thanksgiving. Not just at Christmas, okay? Not just in the midst of a burden or trial, not just in the midst, though those are all wonderful things to pray, but not just in the midst of a difficult relationship that isn't working. You are to pray, here's the word of God this morning, at all times. You and I are to be constant in prayer. And the time of prayer is at all times because in the scripture, I'm going to just rattle some stuff off because you might be thinking, I just need to set a time aside in prayer in the morning. You may, praise God. Others of you might feel, well, no, you know what? I'm better at night or I'm better at my break after lunch. Here, the time of prayer is at all times, okay? I find prayer in the scripture early in the morning, Mark 1.35. I find people praying in Acts 16.25 at midnight. I find other people in 1 Chronicles 23.30 praying in the morning. I find people in Luke 2.37 and 18.7 to pray day and night. I find Daniel in the book of Daniel that will get there when he says in chapter 6 that he bowed three times in the day or three times a day as was his practice. It says in Psalm 95, to pray today. It says in 1 Kings 18, 36, to pray in the evening. It says in Luke 5, 33, to pray often. It says in Matthew 14, 19, to pray before meals. It says in the book of Deuteronomy 8, verse 10, to pray after meals. It says in Jeremiah 3, 4, to pray in one's youth. 2 Kings 19, verse 3, to pray when you're in trouble. In Acts 3.1, to pray at the ninth hour, to pray in Psalm 86 daily, to pray in, in uh, Psalm 4.4 at bedtime. It says, and we'll see this in a moment, in Luke 18.1, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, to pray always. I mean, this is what the scripture says. In fact, Paul modeled this as he exhorts us to this, where he said in Ephesians 1.16, I do not cease in giving thanks for you and remembering you in prayers. This was a way of life for Paul. This is what was exhorted of the leaders in the book of Acts in 6.4, that we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word of God. So the time of prayer is continually. It's to pray at all times. And maybe some of you are thinking, well, I just, Scott, I really don't have a set time. 
Well, listen, if you have a set time, praise the Lord. But if you don't have a set time, we're missing the New Testament here when we're to pray at all times. It says this in Acts 10. I love this statement that at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all of his household. He gave alms generously to the people And I love this phrase, he prayed continually to God. What's the time of prayer? Well, you can't reduce it to one time. It's at all times. Romans 12, 12, that little, those staccato imperatives that he gives. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation. And there Paul told the church at Rome to be constant in prayer. In other words, every opportunity I like how Paul said it in the book of Philippians in 4, 6. You know it. To be anxious for what? Nothing but in everything. You say, what what do you mean everything? Well, you know, in everything. You say, well, it might not be that important what I'm going to do. Might venture to say it's all important. I'd venture to say the word of God would say everything we do is important. So you are commanded to not be anxious, if you will, for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. You have these statements in the book of Colossians in 1, 9 and 10. Paul says, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. You say, well, Scott, he, he, he couldn't have been praying for the Colossians every moment of every second of every day. I know that. But I think what Paul is saying is just as I'm breathing, I'm praying. And as he was moving about in his day, and sometimes he was a tent maker, I think his life was of perpetual, consistent devotion and prayer. So he says, since the day we've heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Listen, I just, I I don't know if it's hit you this way, but you, as a high schooler, as a junior higher, as a mother of young children, as a father, as a grandparent, what the Lord wants is for us to pray at all times. There's the time. So he doesn't list one thing. But he tells us to pray continuously. He uses Epaphras as an example in 4.12 of Colossians where it says he was always laboring or always struggling earnestly for you in his prayers. Paul told the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonica 1.2, we give thanks to God always for you, constantly. So... How how do I do that? Well, certainly a time is going to help. But if I could just push it a little bit, you're walking about in the day. And you are giving your life, your decisions, your conversations, your texting, your cell phone calling. You're bathing the whole thing in prayer, walking with him, 
Paul says, listen, you put the armor on, but listen, I'm telling you, here's the ultimate weapon. You need to be praying and bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and walking with him. And I think this is what Paul is saying, constantly mentioning Thessalonica was just one church. He said in 1 Thessalonica 3, 9 and 10, we pray most earnestly. Look at this, not one time, night and day that we may see your face, I love this phrase, and supply what is lacking in your faith. I think you know the exhortation in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, to pray without what? Ceasing. So listen, I don't care where you live. I don't care if you're in Kingsburg, if you're in Exeter, if you're in Reedley, if you're in Pixley, if you're in Fresno, if you're in Clovis, if you're in Oakhurst. Um, I, I mean, we got people, listen, I'm talking to you by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God, and I want to encourage you today. I want your life to be transformed. The time of prayer is all times. He says in 2 Thessalonians 2.11, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling. Isn't that good? So he commands us to walk worthy in Ephesians 4.1. And here he says, I'm praying for you always so that you would do that. 2 Timothy 1.3, Paul said to Timothy, I thank my God constantly remembering you in my prayers day and night. Beloved, I would submit to you that I think this is a God consciousness. Just as you're breathing right now, you should be praying. You should become a man or a woman of prayer, of constant prayer. You say, well, Pastor Scott, it doesn't seem to be that much. No, I think everything is much with us. So Patty and I were driving down Thursday, right, to spend time with our missionary, Shannon Hurley. I was just tired. So I grab her hand. We're driving. Uh, I was driving. I just shut my eyes and trut. I didn't shut my eyes. I'm just driving, Lord. I'm just tired. Lord, I really, don't tell Shannon this, I'm not sure I want to be here. I think I'd rather be in my ranch with you, okay? Just something's going on, but I'm, Lord, Lord, would you just help me? Would you just help us? Would you bless the conversations? Would you fill it? Listen, I'm saying that out of my weakness to you. You can pray about every single item in your life, every single item with your children, every item with your grandchildren. As you walk into a class, as you exit a class, as you go into a difficult meeting, as you go about your day, when you're driving about, this is, when should I pray, Pastor Scott? Listen, you should pray at all times. And I'm not talking about me, which I need to be praying at all times. That's good. I'm going to apply that. You need to be praying. You know, we need godly mothers in this place. We just need sage-like men, sage-like grandpas, oaks of righteousness. You say, I love that, Pastor. How do I become that? Pray it at all times. Paul said to Timothy, constantly remembering in you, you in my prayers day and night. David said in Psalm 55, and you have to be careful when people say, I, you know, I'm up at four in the morning and before I go, I'm praying. And I'm like, praise God if that's you. 
Praise God if that's the time you have or in the evening. But David prayed this in Psalm 55, 17. Evening, morning, and at noon, I'm going to complain and murmur to you. In other words, here is this constant breathing of prayer. You say, well, Pastor Scott, anxiety just can grab me and halt pray to pray. Look to the Father and pray to him and begin to replace anxiety and fear of man with the truth of Scripture. And I promise you, I'm not trying to render a guilt trip, it's going to change your life. You might even say, but pastor, I, I don't know, I've fallen into a rut. Maybe you have. I'm trying to bring you out of the rut. Paul said, pray at all times in the Spirit. So here, pray always, pray continually. And here's why in the context. Because Satan is never sleeping. Satan is prowling about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour and you must resist him firm in your faith so you need to be praying always make sense because satan is never sleeping listen we are a church praise god i think for the driven by doctrine that is good but ultimately our church your family, your relationship with God is measured by your prayer life. You know that and I know that. It's measured, certainly truth is important. Truth is gonna allow you to pray, but it's measured by your prayer life, by my prayer life. One of my heroes of the faith is Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said this, our ultimate position as Christians is tested by the character of our prayer life. Lloyd-Jones said, it is more important than knowledge and understanding. He said, do not imagine that I am detracting from the importance of knowledge. I spend most of my life trying to show the importance of knowing truth and understanding it. There is only one thing that is more important. And Lloyd-Jones said, that is prayer. The ultimate test of my understanding of scripture is the amount of time I spend in prayer. He went on to say, if my knowledge does not lead me to prayer, there is something wrong somewhere. The value, he said, of the knowledge is that it gives me such an understanding of the value of prayer that I devote time to prayer and delight in prayer. He finished by saying, if it does not produce these results in my life, there is something wrong and spurious about it. So isn't this amazing? Strap it on, get ready for battle. You're putting on the armor, but while you're putting on the armor and standing, you're praying is the thought. But look at the scripture, still under that phrase, praying at all times, he says, in the spirit. In the spirit. You say, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean praying in tongues. He's not talking about some ecstatic speech language. No, pray at all times with the spirit's help with the Spirit's help, in sync uh, with His will as revealed to us in the Word of God. In other words, the Spirit is standing by our side, prompting us to pray, directing us to pray, energizing us in our prayers to line up our will with 
God's will. You say, but, but pastor, sometimes, I'm, and me too, I don't know what to pray. How do I pray? Well, listen, even when you don't know how to pray, Romans 8 says, the Spirit helps us with our weakness For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he searches hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Sometimes if you don't know, you say, Lord, help me. But I know there's a need here and I'm just gonna give that to you. And the Spirit is prompting us, directing us, enabling us, if you will, to line our will with the revealed will of God. So here's the time of prayer. It's at all times in the Spirit. But that's not all he says. There's a second all there. Look at verse 18. He says there in that second phrase, with all prayer and supplication. With all prayer and supplication. You say, well, what's that? I'll just call it the variety of prayer. He mentions two words there for prayer. One is prayer and one is supplication. And you say, well, what do I pray for? And the answer is, it's all prayer. So what do you mean by that? Well, prayer, the first word is prosuko. It is, and I'm pushing it a little bit here, it is a general word for prayer. Just all prayer, general word, all kinds of prayer. And then he mentions that word, if there is a difference, and there may be. The second word is supplication. There is more of a specific prayer. So you got a general prayer, a word, okay, and then you have a specific prayer. In other words, pray throughout your day with all prayer generally and all supplication specifically. Every kind of prayer conceivable to the various situations that you encounter demands, if you will, a variety of prayer. You, you, you say, well, what does that mean? Thanks, thank you for asking that question. I was asking it. Paul says nothing here about the posture of prayer. Because in Scripture, and these are all out of the Word of God, some people pray standing in Genesis 24. Other people in Exodus 34, 8 are bowing down. Some people in 1 Timothy 2.8 are praying with the lifting of hands. In Matthew 26 in the garden, one was on his face. Other people in Judges 20 are sitting praying. Somebody in 1 Kings 18.42 has his head, if you will, between his knees. In Mark 1.40, somebody was praying, kneeling. Somebody in Daniel, Daniel prayed facing the temple at Jerusalem. John 17, 1 says that Jesus was praying with uplifted eyes. In Luke 18, the man was, you know, smiting his breast praying. He says nothing about the posture of prayer. Paul says nothing about even the place of prayer. Because it's not like we just pray here. We'll pray and sing Wednesday night. But he talks about in the scripture, you can pray in a battle. Second Chronicles 13. And if you want these, just 
text my administrative assistant, Spencer. But there's people praying in a battle. There's people, when Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.8, I want you to play in every place. There's people in 1 Kings 19 that are praying in a cave. There's people that are praying in Psalm 4 on their bed. There's, you know, some of you might say, well, I'm praying at night and uh, I go to sleep. What do I think about that? Good. <laughs> At least you're praying. At least you're praying. You say, well, Scott, I just feel so bad. I get so tired. And I just, you know, I'm up at five in the morning, six in the morning. And I, listen, hey, that's a great thing. Pray, fall asleep, wake up, and in the morning start praying as you put your feet out of the bed. I was praying today, Lord, help me be helpful to this body that I have the privilege to speak with. But you just, they're in a battle, they're in every place, they're in a cave, they're in a bed. Matthew 6, 6, they're in a closet. Acts 9, they're in a home. Matthew 26, they're praying in the garden. Jonah is praying from the belly of a great fish. I don't know if that will happen to you, but he was praying there. There's prayer in a mountain on Luke 6. There's prayer on a housetop, Acts 10. There's prayer by a river in Acts 16. There's prayer in a prison, Acts 16. There's prayer by the sea in Acts 21. There's prayer in solitude, the Lord Jesus in Mark 1.35. There's prayer on a street that's mentioned in Matthew 6.5. There's prayer in the wilderness in Luke chapter 5. There's prayer in God's house, 1 Kings 8. The Lord Jesus Christ was praying on a what? cross, Luke 23, Father, forgive them, they know not. Listen, when it comes to the variety of prayer, listen, you pray at all times. You say, but I have so many scenarios. Pray about the scenario. Uh, you say, well, Pastor Scott, I don't know what to do with this two-year-old or this one-year-old or this four-year-old or the 14-year-old or your son that's 20. Just, you can pray at all times through a variety of prayers. You know, it's interesting, one final thing, he doesn't say anything about a specific prayer here, and I think it is because it's a variety of prayer. Some people are wearing a sackcloth, Psalm 35, others are fasting, Deuteronomy 9. Some people, Job, are sitting in ashes in Job 1. And on it goes. Other people are praying when they're groaning. Other people are praying in loud crying. Hebrews 5, 7. Other people are praying while they're sweating the Lord Jesus. Other people are praying in agony. Luke 22. Others are pouring out their heart before God. Psalm 62. Some people, some of you, you might have a broken heart. What? Listen, instead of descending down into some kind of depression, your heart's broken over an event, over a person, I just want to encourage you, you can pray. What some people in 1 Kings 21 were praying while they're rendering their garments. Joel 1 verse 2 through 13 talks about rendering one's heart. It's enough to say that the posture, the place, the time, the circumstances is not the key issue if, of prayer. Prayer, beloved, is a way of life. Prayer, beloved, is open communication with God to be done in an unceasing manner. And so here the variety of prayer could be confession, it could be thanksgiving, 
It could be intercession. It's a variety of circumstances. I'm driving down to the desert to be with Shannon, and Patty says to me, let's pray the Acts model, right? Acts, A-C-T-S. And the first one is what? It's adoration. And I got to tell you, I was kind of (laughs) grumpy. I was just tired. But there's a model. There's a variety of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, then supplication. And supplication is usually last in that list, which is usually first for us. But there may be here in this variety of prayer that we start with adoration. You say, by the way, how did the time go with Shannon? It went real good. Praise God by his grace, right? I was able to be there and be active and be thrilled to to be there. And why? Because God answering prayer while I'm driving in the midst of a busy season for us. So here's the time of prayer. Here's the variety of prayer, all prayer and petition. And thirdly here, the perseverance of prayer. Look at it in 18. He says there, to that end, which he just means to this purpose, to that end, ESV, keep alert. And then here's the all, with all perseverance, okay? Keep alert. And, and here's the the, the perseverance of prayer, if you will, to, to keep alert in it. It means to, to stay awake. And I don't mean that when I said you fall asleep, okay, that, that's just, you're tired. It's okay. I think what the, the text is saying here is you're just watchful. You're, you're awake spiritually. Here, the idea is to stay awake spiritually. The idea here is to pass a sleepless night is the word. It means to suffer insomnia. To be watchful is the word for alert. To be vigilant. And and Paul said in Colossians 4.12, devote yourselves to prayer. There's that continual prayer. But then he said, keeping alert in prayer with all perseverance. In other words, your enemy, my enemy is not sleeping. Just as you begin to walk in the spirit and you think your life is being blessed and there's joy there, then all of a sudden you turn a corner and something goes wrong in a relationship and a wedge gets driven in that relationship and what was a beautiful, wonderful, harmonious, spirit-filled relationship becomes a little dicey and, and edgy. And listen, you need to pray. You need to be alert. You need to stay watchful. You need to pray for other saints. That's his thought here. At the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, he could come soon in our lifetime, certainly. It says this in Luke 21, 36, Jesus said to his disciples and to us, stay awake at all times, praying that you have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. What I love about that, he told us to stay awake at all times praying, but he says, I'm telling you to stay awake and pray so that you can stand before the Son of Man. Paul in Ephesians 6 is telling us to stand before the evil one. He tells us to take up all prayer and Jesus at the end says, I want you to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus said in Mark 13, concerning that day or hour, no one knows, 
not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Here's what he would say to you. And I'm speaking to all of you, right? Be on guard. It says, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, Jesus said, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. What I say to you, I say to all. Stay awake. So here in the text, he says, stay awake or keep alert. And he says, with all perseverance. Listen, maybe you've come in and you're discouraged about something. Listen, don't give up on it. You need to pray at all times. You need to pray a variety of prayers. But thirdly, you and I need to learn to persevere in our prayers. Remember in Luke, there's two illustrations there of what that prayer looks like. In Luke 18, he told them a parable to the effect that they always ought to pray. They always ought to pray. And it says, and not to lose hearts. And it says, he told the parable, remember that one? Of the unjust judge and the woman who kept coming to the judge and banging, begging and begging and begging and begging this unjust judge. And she just kept, I mean, I just think she's wearing them out, you know, is the, is, is the text. It says in Luke 18, 5, yet because this widow, the judge said, keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she may not beat me down by her continually coming. Listen, finally, the judge did what she wanted. And the Lord is saying, if an unjust judge will give something to a persistent lady, what do you think a just God will give to his own child who persists? What are you asking him for right now? What are you praying for him right now? Don't give up. Stay on the alert. Be awake. And with all prayer and perseverance. Okay?